Welcome to the Frontline Podcast for Christian Men, a place where men can find encouragement and strength to remain standing when the battles of life are closing in all around. A place where men will hear honest truth that will equip them and arm them to keep fighting in faith against the enemy's daily opposition. Gentlemen, you and I have been enlisted by God in the spiritual war as good soldiers of Jesus Christ, and the enemy wants to steal your joy and rob you of your peace. He wants to divide and destroy your marriages and your families. He wants to distract you from fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. And with his accusations and lies, he will tempt you to give in to fear, doubt, shame, and condemnation. But today, gentlemen, we refuse to allow him to take the win. And today we will stand in the victory that the Lord has won for us. Gentlemen, my brothers in Christ, welcome to the front line. Attack the objective! Well, welcome back, gentlemen, to the Frontline Podcast. Thank you for joining me again for another episode. Hope that you're doing well. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you're having a great day wherever you are listening, whatever country, whatever state, whatever province, if you're Canadian like I am, uh, welcome. And thank you for joining me here on the Frontline. Uh, It's the place where we stand, man, as Christian men. We are standing on the front line for Jesus Christ. And uh, that's where we got to stand, man. Uh, Sometimes we can be tempted to go in the background. This is too hard for me. Yep, it's hard. I I get it. This hurts too much. Ah, war hurts. I don't like war. I don't like battle. Amen. Neither do I. But we are called by God to fight the good fight of faith. And God wants us to be men of God. Not in, in our own ability, you know, men. We're men. Strong, rugged men in our own strength and our own ability. No, we are men of God who love and trust Jesus Christ, who believe in his power working through our lives, who have no confidence in the flesh like the Bible teaches, but have all confidence in God. And therefore, because our confidence is in God, we can stand firm and sure on the front line while we while we do battle in this spiritual war. So anyways, thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Uh, it's been a cool day. I went out for breakfast this morning. I do all my podcast recording on Fridays now, and uh, a new thing that we're doing is my son and I, I mentioned last time, it's with schedules, him working, me working, uh, don't see him as often as I like to, so Friday mornings we do breakfast together, and it's awesome, and we had a, we had breakfast this morning, went out to A&W, and uh, man, they got some good brekkie at A&W, and had a great conversation with him again, and uh, it, we just came home so encouraged, so that's really cool. I'm excited about that. Uh, you know, I'm a proud father. I really am. And I just want to make this clear. Um, in my, It's my podcast, so I can talk about whatever I want and you choose to listen. So thank you for making that choice. Uh, you know, and so because I can talk about what I want, I like, I like my focus to be on Jesus and the Bible and encouraging you. That's my main focus. But in the first 10 minutes, like you know, I like to talk about random stuff. And I find I talk a lot about my family because I love my wife. I love my kids and uh, thank you for listening to all my stories about my family. Uh, but I am a proud father, um, but we are not perfect. Okay. We are, don't get, if I ever give any impression, which I don't think I do, uh, that, that we are like, we have a perfect marriage and 
And, you know, my relationship with my kids is perfect. Okay, no, not even close, okay? <laughs> things, things are not perfect in this guy's household. Uh, but we love God, we love each other, and we work through all the imperfections together. Uh, but it was cool. Last week um, after church on Sunday, of course, we, we stopped by a grocery store here. My, my wife ran in to get some, some uh, fried chicken for lunch. Uh, and, um, when we were, when she was walking in, we pulled up to the store. Uh, we all noticed there was a, a homeless man, uh, just sitting out front of the grocery store. And, uh, I, I was kind of watching my wife walk in and, and she noticed him and I knew, I knew my wife would bring out food for him. And, and she did, I, you know, 20 minutes later, but finally, when my wife came out, do you, did you relate with that gentleman? You ever wait for your wife to go in the grocery store? I'll just be a minute, honey. And like 20 minutes later, you're like, <laughs> what were you doing? Our weekly grocery shopping or just getting chicken for our Sunday lunch? Anyways, so when she came out, I saw she stopped by. But in the midst of all that and gave him some food, which is cool. I knew she would. But uh, anyways, my so we're sitting there and I'm waiting there, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And my kids are in the back and we're just, you know, just sitting there listening to music and stuff. And uh, they noticed the homeless man. And on, I had no money. I had not, nothing to offer this man. And I knew my wife would bring some food. But out of nowhere, my son goes, I got 10 bucks in my wallet. And he, he didn't, like, he's 18. He can do what he wants. He, he didn't say, hey, dad, do you think I should? Hey, dad, can I? Like, he didn't say anything. He didn't acknowledge me. He, next thing you know, he's out his door. And I look over and he's walking over to this man. And he's making some small talk with him and gives him a $10 bill. And, and just, you know, hey, God bless, man. And, and he and he came back and he's like, yeah, I just felt to do that. And it made me really proud. It made me really proud. I didn't tell him. I didn't like, but but I do know in, in the past over the years, not every time, but oftentimes when we pull up to somebody and, and they have a sign saying, please, you know, hungry and homeless, please help. Uh, not every time, but but quite often we will do what we can, you know, give them some food or or give them a, a, a Tim card for Tim Hortons. Or a little bit of change. just And then what they spend it on is up to them. But we're doing our part. And they've seen that over the years in our family. And now they're, you know, he just did it on his own. So that was really cool. So I thought I'd just brag on my son for that. Because that made me really proud um, as well. Another cool thing that happened in our family this week. Is my daughter, she's just turned 15 in October. So she's just into her year of being 15 years old. And that's still pretty young to find a job. But. But she really wants a job. She wants to get some uh, some income coming in so she can, you know, have some money to buy clothes and makeup <laughs> at the mall and uh, and Starbucks and, and just enjoy some money. But also she wants to start saving some money as well. Okay, that's great. I understand that. So last Saturday, we went out, her and I, my, my wife and my son were working. And so her and I went out. We handed about eight or nine resumes out to different fast food restaurants and uh, there was a grocery store just up the street uh, from our house, about two minutes away from our house. And she applied there. And uh, we went out, came back. And, um, you know, so we we're like, OK, you know, so I prayed. For, I prayed with her. I said, Lord, would you please open up a door and uh, provide a job for my, my daughter? So anyways, just this past week on uh, Tuesday night, uh, we get up my, we get a phone call and uh, it's the grocery store and they want to talk to Jalen and she's like oh we said Jay it's for you and she's like oh she's freaking out and uh so you know she goes from like 15 year old teenage like oh to like hello 
yes, this is Jalen. Like, <laughs> okay, where'd that come from? Let's see more of that around the house, <laughs> right? Uh, but anyways, to say all that, uh, she had an interview the next day and she got the job. So she starts next Tuesday uh, and uh, that's super excited for her. It's exciting for her. We're really excited about it because she's been wanting to, to get a job. It's going to be good, man. Meet some new people. Uh, gives her something to do in the evenings and on weekends. And uh, so I'm just really uh, excited about that. And we're just really thankful to God. God seems to be uh, just doing a work in my kids' lives in different areas. And it's cool. You know, it's it's always encouraging when you see God uh, work. So uh, on Wednesday night, my daughter and I, uh, we had planned this already. Uh, her school had a class dance uh, on, on Wednesday night. And uh, <clears throat> she really wasn't wanting to go. Um so I'm like, let me let me take you out for a, a date. And uh, this is a couple weeks ago. And, and so she accepted my offer to take her out for a daddy-daughter date. And so we went to the Keg Steakhouse. And we celebrated a daddy-daughter date. But it also was the same day she got the job. So we celebrated her. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Keg before. It's an amazing steak. We both had a steak dinner. It was a really fun time. Just me and my daughter at this really cool, nice restaurant. Um, and... Uh, so anyways, we, um, the waitress, they always ask you, what's the occasion? And I said, we're celebrating my daughter getting her first part-time job. And uh, typically what they do there is if they know you're celebrating something, they'll bring you a, a massive piece of ice cream cake, like this incredible ice cream cake. And uh, I told my daughter that they might do that. And she's like, they better do it. <laughs> and sure enough, they did. And so it's just a great night celebrating uh, with my daughter and uh, it's just been a cool week to see God working in my kids. So uh, with saying all that, <clears throat> let's get into today's topic, gentlemen. Let's, I, I can't. I'm so sorry. On today's podcast, we are talking about when a man is tempted. That's right. We are talking about temptation. When a man is tempted. Now, temptation, you already know this, but I like to give simple definitions here on the podcast. Temptation is a situation in which one experiences a challenge to choose between right or wrong, right? You got the devil on one shoulder, right? Here, a little, little, little devil. <laughs> and then you got a little angel here. You know how like they show on TV. It's not true, but it's to give the idea of right and wrong, right? It's the story of our life. Our life is made up of decisions and choices, and there's right choices, and there's wrong choices, and that's what temptation is. We as Christian men are face-to-face -face with so many different things in our lives that will tempt us to either sin against God or honor God, right or wrong. That's what temptation is. We at times are tempted to doubt God when life is hard. I know I've been there before. God, it doesn't seem like you hear my prayers. It doesn't seem like you, you even care about me, God. You know, and, and you can be very easily tempted to doubt that God is even working anymore in your life, that God is even for you, that God is even with you. And that's a total lie of the enemy, but it can be a real temptation for Christian men to doubt God when life is hard. We can be tempted to quit at doing what we feel God's called us to do because we don't see the results that we thought we would get. And it's just so hard. And listen, I will be the first to say that doing, doing the will of God, doing what God has given you to do, it's really hard because there's opposition against that thing that God has called you to do. 
And so you will be tempted to quit. Man, this is too hard for me. I'm I'm giving up. I'm stopping this. I can't take the pressure anymore. I'm turning around. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. Quitting on God is a temptation that we will face from time to time. We are tempted to figure out our own life in our own understanding instead of simply trusting God. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to trust God and to not lean on our own understanding. But man, life at times can make you question, man, what is happening in my life? And you start to like, you know what? I'm taking my life into my own hands. I'm going to start to control, you know, my own life, my own choices, my own decisions. No, Jesus, it's time for me to take the wheel, right? (laughs) Jesus, give me the wheel, (laughs) I'm taking it from your hands, right? Because we now, we got to figure this out. So we start to steer the course of our own life and and, and that leads nowhere good. We, We must follow the plans and purposes that the Lord shows us and gives us. He, he's given us a, a race to run, a path to walk on. That's where we need to go, not our own way. But we can be tempted to go our own way. Uh, we will be tempted to fulfill the desires of our flesh just to simply make us feel good, right? Uh, we want to we want to be we're tempted to to just feed the flesh, feed the flesh. I just want to feel good, right? And we, we, again, we're not called to walk by our feelings but by our faith, right? We know that I, I I've shared that before on this podcast, but so often we can be tempted just to simply live our life by fulfilling the desires of our flesh. There's so many ways that you and I can be tempted. And the truth is, is that our fallen flesh, our broken body, our fallen flesh, and our fallen world that we live in are filled with temptations. This world we live in is filled with selfish ambition and selfish temptations, and we are face-to-face with these temptations in this fallen and broken world, in this fallen and broken body, and that is the war that we are in as Christians. But there are temptations everywhere, gentlemen, and we must be on guard. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, this is speaking of the world's ways, the world's system, the sin of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Did you hear that? Whoever does the will of God lives forever. All of the lust, all of the temptations that that cause you to be led astray in your flesh and the lusts of your flesh, all of that is going to pass away. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. Amen? You see, temptation's desire is to pull us out of doing God's will and to cause us to simply fulfill our own will. That is what temptation wants to do. No, come this way. Don't live for God. Don't pursue Jesus Christ. Pursue Matt Noel. Pursue your own will, your own desires. That is what temptation wants you to do. And it's everywhere. I remember a former pastor of mine, he uh, he shared he he was he was a, a senior pastor for many years, and uh, he he led youth ministry 
uh, for many years as well as a younger pastor. And he said he had this uh, box, this cardboard box uh, set up in his uh, youth room. And it was just a normal cardboard box, all enclosed, and it was on a table. And it had a hole cut out uh, about the size of a softball in the front of the box. And above the hole, it said in big bull letters, do not look inside the hole. And of course, you can you you know full well that when especially teenagers, they walk by a cardboard box just sitting there in the youth room and it says, do not look in the hole. What are they going to do? <laughs> right. They're going to look in the hole. It's like, hey, little Johnny, make sure you don't have that cookie. You know, the cookies, the fresh baked cookies that mommy made today. Therefore, after dinner, immediately now they're tempted to go and grab a cookie. Right. So anyways. Uh, he did this just as a kind of a, I guess, a sh- social experiment or a, a youth group experiment in, in his class. And and he noticed that those who looked in the hole, what they what w- when they looked in the hole, what he had set up there. And I forget the exact purpose for um, this this test and this this example that, that he was doing. Uh, but inside was a uh, on the back wall of the box on the inside, there was light shining in there up against kind of a um, an image that was drawn or 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 just pasted on the back of this wall, an image of hell. And it was an image that, of course, there's many images, you know, on Google of hell. If you Google hell, you'll see, you know, fire and de- and the devil and all sorts of different things. Um, but anyways, there was this, there was this imagery of hell, and it was really just like frightening, right? And so it's like I told you, don't look in the box. And so the point of that is that there are temptations everywhere, and and we're face to face with these things. And it's like almost like what Paul talks about in Romans seven, like the things I don't want to do, the the hole in the box that I don't want to look into, I look into it, right? That's the nature of our broken flesh and the temptation that we face. And so what we must understand about temptation is that temptation is not a sin. To be tempted to lust or lie or cheat or look in the hole, that's not a sin. But it's giving in to that temptation. That's when we commit sin. But temptation in and of itself is just something that we face naturally in this world. But it's giving in to that temptation that is the sin. You know, you think of the story of, of Adam and Eve in the beginning there before they fell. The, the fruit was presented by the devil in the form of a serpent. The, the, the fruit was presented to Eve first, right? That, that presentation of the fruit was not sinful. You know, here's, here's the devil, you know, tempting Eve. Oh, look at this nice fruit. Eve did not commit sin by by the devil showing her the fruit. But of course, when she gave in to the lies and the deception and the temptation of the devil, and she took the fruit and she bit the fruit, now she's disobeyed God because God told them not to partake of that particular fruit from that tree. And so it's not the temptation that is the sin. It's not necessarily the presentation of, you know, the sin. It's when you go in and you commit the sin. That is, you commit the temptation. That is what is sin. But temptation is not sin. And so you need, I want to clarify that. You need to know that. Some of you might be thinking like, you know, that might bring some freedom to you right now. Maybe you think 
you know, all this temptation is sin. Well, no, you you can't avoid being tempted, but we must resist giving in to that temptation. So I, I hope that helps you out. But every day that we live as Christian men, we have choices to make and we must choose between good and evil. That That's how it's always been. That's how it's always going to be. We must choose be, between uh, pure and impure. We must choose between uh, decisions that will honor God or decisions that will dishonor God, right? This is the life that we live when it comes to uh, facing temptations. But we, we all get tempted. You can't avoid it. I can't avoid it. We will be tempted. We will be tempted with our thoughts, right? I had a, a, a podcast a couple months ago that uh, talked talking about a man's thought life. And I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, go and listen to that because the thought life is a real uh, war ground. It's a real battle uh, that we face as Christian men. But we can be tempted with our thoughts, with what we think about can be a temptation. Uh, There's impure, you know, impure sexual fantasies that men, you know, sin sin by thinking, you know, they give into that temptation of these these impure fantasies. Uh, We can have thoughts of violence. Right. If you're if you're watching a lot of violence on TV, it can really be uh, a temptation to be thinking about violent thoughts. Uh, there's hateful thoughts. We can be tempted to have racist thoughts and and hateful thoughts because we don't like a particular uh, group or or particular people, and and th- that's wrong. Of course, we want to love everybody. Uh, you know, is what. Jesus teaches us to love our neighbor, uh, but we can be tempted in our thoughts in these areas. And there's many more as well. We can be tempted in our words. You know, what words are coming out of your mouth? We'll be tempted to gossip about people. You know, somebody bothers you at work or bothers you in school or bothers you at church. And you're tempted now to be telling all these other people about that person. That's gossip. And that's a sin. But we can be tempted with gossip. We can be tempted to cuss somebody out, right? They 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 anger you, they upset you, and now you're you're tempted just to unleash the wrath of your tongue and just cuss them out. We can be tempted to lie, right? I've lied before in my life to try to cover things up. Can you relate with that? It never works because you 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 give in to that temptation to lie, and now now you got to cover up that lie with another lie. Now you're covering up both those lies with another lie, and it never ends. This is lie after lie after lie. It's no good. We don't want to give in to that temptation to lie with our words. We'll be tempted with our eyes. There's movies that will tempt us. There's magazines and books that will tempt us to be led astray, to, to, to make decisions with our eyes that are that are not pleasing to God, that are sinful and harmful. On social media, that's a huge one in 2023. Social media is filled with such awful content that can really tempt you with your eyes. Of course, we know there's online pornography, right? It's it's everywhere. And, and I mean, it's on a phone, it's on smartwatches, it's, it's on computers, it's everywhere. And so you're going to be tempted to look at those things with your eyes. And then, of course, looking at other women as Christian men, you'll be tempted to look at other women with lust in your eyes. Again, you, you, you can't avoid seeing other women, other people, but you can avoid lusting with your eyes and giving into that temptation. We'll be tempted with our mouths, you know, drinking too much alcohol with your mouth. 
You know what? I'm just going to have a drink. And then you have three or four because you're tempted to have more. Maybe eating too much food, right? We don't think of that one often. I'll be honest. I don't think of that one often, but the Bible talks about the sin of gluttony. And, and maybe sometimes you, you give in to that temptation to just, you know, splurge on too much food. It, it's a thing. It can happen. And it can lead to obesity and unhealth and, and sin against God. We're not taking care of the temples of the Holy Spirit, that, which is our bodies, right? Maybe smoking drugs. You're putting cigarettes in, in your mouth. You're putting weed in your mouth. You're inhaling poison into your body, intentionally harming the temple of the Holy Spirit. Giving into temptation of your mouth. We can be tempted with our noses. I know that one sounds kind of weird, but there are different types of senses and aromas that can actually tempt you to be led astray, uh, particularly into some sensual sin. Uh, there's a proverb where, you know, I think it's in Proverbs 5 or, or Proverbs 7, Proverbs 5, 6 or 7, I think it's Proverbs 7, where it talks about the uh, a man going near the house of an immoral woman. And in one verse, she's she's saying like, you know, I've put cinnamon and 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 perfume on my on my bed. You know, these senses of our nose can can tempt us to be led astray into sin against God. It's crazy, but it's true. We'll be tempted with our ears. We listen to music that's perverted, filled with sexuality and and filthy lyrics, right? That, that can tempt you to listen to that stuff and to be led astray. We'll be tempted to, to hear other people gossip, and now we want to join in because we heard them gossiping. But there's so many different temptations. We'll be tempted with our touch. We want to feel good. Right? We, want, we want to be touched you know, in wrong ways by wrong people. It's true. There's all sorts of temptations that we face as Christian men. Let's be real. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Notice that. God's going to let, not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, right there in the Bible, when you are tempted, so there you are, you are going to be tempted. He will provide a way out of that temptation so that you can endure it. Amen? Notice what it says there in this passage. Temptation is common to man. It is common. It's not an uncommon thing. It's not rare. Temptation is common to all Christian men. And our flesh will be tempted in all these different areas of our lives that we just talked about. But it's it's common. But Jesus said that he will make a way out for us when we are tempted. God said, I'll make a way of escape for you when you're tempted. But understand that it's common to all men. All people, all, all across this globe experience temptation. But here's the key, gentlemen. Only some fight against temptation. That is, that is what we are talking about. That is what we must do as Christian men. We don't just say, oh, you know what? Everybody's tempted. Everybody falls. Everybody fails, which is true. But we don't just sit on that. We don't, we're not comfortable with that. We're not okay with that. We understand that's true. But we rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the truth of God's word. And we fight back against these things that are tempting us to lead us astray. We fight against temptation. And as we fight, 
as we resist temptation, God promised again to make a way out for us. And he promised he's not going to put too much temptation on, not allow too much temptation to be put on us, gentlemen. Do you believe that? It's right there in that passage we read in Corinthians. He's not going to allow you to be tempted so much that you can't bear it. I love that. I love that we can trust God in these areas. James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say that God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. There it is, right in the Bible, James chapter 1. God does not tempt us. He will test us, but he never tempts us to sin. But he will test us to obey him. And there's kind of a mystery there. But God doesn't tempt us to fall into sin, but he brings tests our way to test us in our faith and to strengthen us in our faith. It goes on. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Okay? So when we are tempted... We, 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 the, the Bible says that when we are tempted, it is the desires of our flesh that entice us, right? It's of our flesh. We're, we're drawn away by the lusts of our flesh. But then it says, but when sin is allowed, it grows and then it gives birth to death. And so sin, giving into temptation, falling into sin, we all do it. We don't want to do it. We need Jesus to help us overcome, to, to escape from it. But if we allow temptation to overcome us and we, we um, allow sin to grow inside of our spirit man, then it's going to lead to death. So we are tempted. We give in to the temptation. We are led away from God into our fleshly desires. We then keep giving in to that temptation. Now we become addicted to that temptation we now become enslaved to that sin. We now love our sin. So what started as a temptation, we gave into it, and then we gave into it more. Now we're addicted. Now we're enslaved to it. Now we love it. Now we embrace that sin, and now we forget God. Our hearts become calloused and hard, and the Bible teaches that. Now sin consumes us, and we reject Jesus Christ. We reject his free gift of grace and salvation. We live for ourselves. We embrace our sin, and then we die. That is the devastating outcome of sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But if we allow sin to grow, it will, it will overcome us, gentlemen. But if we continually confess our sins to God, he will forgive us continually of our sin. But if we don't and we embrace it and we love it and we hide it and we condone it and we justify it and we fall just head over heels into our sinful lifestyles, now we are just, you know, reprobate and we reject Jesus Christ and we completely accept our own will, our own ways, our sinful ways, and it leads us rate to death. That is what it's talking about. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't allow sin to grow, gentlemen. You say, yeah, well, I need Jesus to do that. And I say, amen. 
But we have a, we have a part to play here. We can't just sin and do what we want and then expect Jesus, you know, just to blink at it. It doesn't work that way. We can't just, you know, I'm going to sin. It's Friday night, so I'm just going to go out and party hardy and sin up. I'm going to sleep with as many women as I can this weekend. I'm going to get drunk and high and stoned out of my mind. And then when I get home tonight, I'll just say, Jesus, forgive me. It doesn't work that way. It is a heart motive. It's a it's a condition of your heart. If you want, if Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. This is not uh, some religion that we just, you know, do what you want and then just confess it and, and, and then it's taken care of. God knows your heart. You can't fool God. Jesus sees that you don't mean it. If you meant it, you wouldn't be going to, to get drunk and high and sleeping around. Your desire when you are a Christian is to love and serve Jesus, not yourself. So if we allow sin to grow, it will bring death. We cannot allow this in our lives, gentlemen. Don't allow temptation to drag you away unto death. It sounds kind of like harsh, but man, we got to take this stuff seriously, gentlemen. You don't play with fire. You don't play with temptation, right? You play with fire, you get burned. It's true. I've experienced it myself. Oh, just a little bit of fire. You want to play with a little bit of fire? Even a little bit of fire can, can hurt you. Right? Take a little match and light it, stick it in your hand and play with it. You're going to feel that pain a lot, right? Don't play with fire. You will get burned. This is the battle that you and I are in. This is it. This is the battle. This is the war. This is the gist of the war. This is the, the main uh, part of the spiritual war that we are in is right versus wrong, evil versus good, flesh versus spirit. Obey God, disobey God. This is the battle that we are in, our flesh versus our spirit. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, right? That's your flesh. Your flesh wants to do evil. And everybody who's honest says, amen, right? The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit of God wants. It's true. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, again, the flesh and the Spirit, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. Did you hear that? Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Every morning you wake up, your war against the flesh begins. Your flesh and the spirit start to combat. Every morning you wake up, every hour that you live throughout every single day of your life, your flesh and your spirit are always fighting, always against each other. This Holy Spirit is saying, no, do this, glorify God. Your flesh is like, no, do this, glorify you your spirit the spirit's like honor jesus you know serve jesus your flesh is like honor yourself serve yourself it's like that all the time it says these two forces are constantly fighting each other so you're not free to carry out your good intentions this is war and gentlemen i want to remind you when it comes to war some die unfortunately some people die in war. And you don't want to be a casualty of war, gentlemen. 
The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you. Don't you understand that? The enemy wants you to be playing with sin. The The enemy wants to destroy your life. Satan wants to ruin your marriage. He wants to separate your family. He wants to bring you down to ultimate death. He wants to rob from you your joy and your peace. He wants to distract you and blind you from the truth, from serving God. And he wants you to start serving yourself. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill your life. But Jesus wants you to experience his life and his abundant life that he brings, the Bible teaches. Don't be a casualty of this spiritual war. Stand firm in faith against these temptations that the, that the enemy and that your flesh brings and honor Jesus Christ. Amen? We got to fight temptation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So Paul's going to give us a bunch of results here of what it looks like when we follow the lusts of our flesh or follow the desires of our sinful nature, okay? The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That Those are all the things, just some of the things, that happen when we follow our sinful flesh and we listen and give in to those temptations of our flesh and of this world. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anybody, listen to this gentlemen, anybody living this sort of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is some strong language. Yeah, but I went to the altar and I prayed to Jesus. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. Okay, you said that prayer. There's no there's no ticket, you know, to heaven. There's no fire insurance. It's not as simple as that. Yes, salvation is a free gift of God. Don't hear me wrong. We are saved by grace through faith alone, not any work, lest any of us can boast. I am not suggesting that we have to work to be saved. But when we are saved by the free gift of God's grace and salvation, and he forgives us of our sin, we are now called to live for God, to live in righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit, to obey the words and commands of Jesus Christ. We are not. It's not okay for us just to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. And the Bible says here, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, uh, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins. People who live this form of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those lifestyles cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You've been saved from those lifestyles, gentlemen. We're no longer of this world. You can't live for God and live for the world. It doesn't work. Jesus talks about in Revelation that, you know, I'd I'd rather you be hot or cold instead of lukewarm. I'll spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm, sitting on the fence, you know, one foot in for Jesus. Oh, Jesus over here. And then me and my sinful lusts of my flesh over here just giving in to all these temptations. It doesn't work that way, gentlemen. Again, Romans 6.23, 
The wages of our sin is death. In other words, the price that you and I will pay for our sins is death. But thanks be to God for Jesus. Jesus came to pay that price for us. He died and paid the price for our sin so that we wouldn't have to die. But now we put our faith in him and we serve him. And the Bible talks about those who endure till the end shall be saved and will receive the eternal crown of life. Amen? So our sin kills us, but Jesus' price and the price he paid on the cross for our salvation frees us from our sin, saves us for all eternity, but now we are called to live for him. We we don't have a green light to give in to all these temptations and feel like God's okay with it. He doesn't blink at sin. And so we learn here that temptation comes in two ways. We are tempted in our flesh and we are tempted by the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Jesus Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, also known as the devil in the form of the serpent. Notice, he says, I'm, I'm worried that you're, uh, you will be corrupted like Eve was. She was deceived by the temptations of the devil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid, Paul writes to the church, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. There it is, talking about the tempter. Who's the tempter? Satan. The tempter. Satan. He tempts Christians. Our flesh tempts us and Satan tempts us. Here's a passage regarding this specifically for married people. If you're married, this is for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. This is regarding our sexual relations with our wives. Do not deprive each other of sexual relationships. I talked about that a few podcasts ago uh, ago on a man's sex life. I encourage you to listen to that. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree, so the husband and wife agree, to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. So a husband and a wife, they're Christians, they love God, they're maybe going through a a circumstance or a a season in their their life where they really need to just really seek the the heart of God. So they might come to each other and the husband and wife agree that we're going to have a time of fasting from sex so that we can really focus on prayer and seeking God here because uh, we need him bad. That's a thing, okay? So uh, I, I think I'd rather fast from food <laughs> than fast from sex, to be honest with you. <laughs> Anyways, bring it in, Matt, okay? So he's like, uh, so unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. And then notice what he says. Afterwards, so after that time of of fasting from sex so you can pray, afterward, you should come together again, speaking of sexually, so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So there it is. We know that Satan wants to tempt uh, uh, within marriage when it comes to sexuality. Of course, we know that's a huge one. And so Paul's like, don't don't refrain from sexual uh, intimacy for too long because the enemy will come in and be tempted and starting to be tempting you guys, right? So Satan tempts us. Satan tempts us and our flesh tempts us. We're talking about temptation today. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 14. 
I'm not even surprised, Paul says, because even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, right? Satan can disguise himself. He's not an angel of light, but he can disguise himself as an angel of light. He can tempt us in ways that, gentlemen, if we're not on guard, if we don't know what the Bible teaches, gentlemen, we can be led astray by an angel of light. It is it is Satan in the form of an angel of light. Something good is presented to us. It seems good. It looks to be right. You know, how can it be wrong if it feels so right? Right? I'm sure there's many songs that sing about that. Poetry, you know, that, that people that write about that. Oh, how can it be wrong if it feels so good? Right? That's the deception of the enemy. It, he presents things like an angel of light, but it's 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 Satan. It's pure evil. And he can tempt us in that way. So how do we overcome temptations of the devil? I'm glad you asked because I have some answers from the word of God for you. How do we overcome temptations of the devil? Listen to James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oftentimes people might say, yo, bro, just resist the devil, man. He'll flee from you. I'm sure over the years I've been guilty of just saying that. Yo, the Bible says, resist the devil, he'll flee. But there's a really, really super important part we're missing there. Number one in this passage, humble yourselves before God. That is falling on your face before God, saying, God, I'm struggling in this area of temptation. I can't seem to overcome it. I keep falling and failing every single day, multiple times a day. You humble yourself before God. You confess your sins to God. You tell him your weakness. You say, God, I can't fight this temptation without you. I can't overcome this struggle and this temptation without you. Lord, I need you. I bow my life before you. Please strengthen me to resist this temptation. God, I need you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Strengthen me, oh God. I need you. That is what it looks like to humble yourselves before God. And then it says, after you've taken that position and you've humbled yourself before God, now you resist the devil. So now you're in a great position because the Bible teaches that God exalts those who are humble and he brings down low those who are proud. And so the, the greatest position that you or I could ever be before God is in a position of humility before him. I believe that humility is one of the greatest, most powerful things that we can have as part of our Christian character as Christian men is a spirit of humility before God. God and before people. A spirit that says, I am nothing without Jesus. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. In and of myself, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous enough. I am nothing without God. That is being humble and honest. Once we're in that position, now we can say, Satan, I resist you in the name of Jesus because you are hidden under God. God is now covering you. You've bowed your life before him. You've humbled yourself before him. You've been honest about your temptations before him. Now it's like God is covering you. And now you can say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I resist you against this temptation. I will not give in. I will stand strong and firm in my God. And I resist you. And that's the place, that is the time that in the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of Jesus Christ, Satan must flee. Amen? 
He will not just flee at your own words. It is your words in authority, in faith, in Jesus Christ as you humble yourself before God. So again, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen? And listen, it may not happen right away. So keep doing it. But the word of God says that is the recipe. If you want to see the enemy flee and these temptations flee in your life, live in humility before God, resist the temptations of the devil, and he must flee from you. And the church said, amen. That's right. I'm getting all fired up here. I want to remind you after I take a sip of coffee that Jesus Christ was tempted. If you know your Bibles, you know that Jesus was tempted. Listen here, because he was fully man. He was fully God, but he was fully man. Listen to what Hebrews 4.15 says. For we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus knows your struggle, man. Jesus knows your struggle. Jesus knows what you're up against. Jesus knows your temptations. Jesus knows the battle within your mind, within your, your life, gentlemen. He knows your weaknesses. And he, empath- he, he, he shows empathy towards your weaknesses. It says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Oh, that's so good. Hebrews 4.15, Jesus Christ was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. Think about that. Jesus was tempted in his flesh in every way that you and I are tempted. But Jesus did not sin. And that is why Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He shed his perfect, pure, sinless blood on the cross for our sin. There's no longer any need for the sins of, or excuse me, for the sacrifices of bulls and goats and rams, the Bible teaches. That was the old covenant. Jesus shed his blood once and for all for the sin of all the world. And he could only do that because he was perfectly sinless. Amen. But he was tempted. He was tempted. We know in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And it's a beautiful picture here. That's actually a beautiful picture of the Trinity um, that is presented to us in the scriptures. But there's John the Baptist and and he has Jesus and they're in the river, and and John the Baptist um, baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus is coming up out of the water, the Spirit descends as as a dove upon Jesus. So there's the the Son, Jesus. There's the Spirit falling upon Jesus, filling Jesus, coming down upon Jesus. And then the, the the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In that picture in Luke chapter 3, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a picture of the triune God. Beautiful. 
But so saying all that, that was just a little extra there for you. But saying all that, this is an amazing moment. This is a high moment in the life of Jesus Christ. You know those spiritual high moments that you and I have? You know, you're you're experiencing the presence of God. You're in, in powerful worship services where the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully. And, and God is just revealing scripture to you. And, and you just feel so close to God. Those are times that you must be on guard. Because the enemy is going to oppose that. He doesn't want you experiencing God like that, gentlemen. Be on guard if you are experiencing revival. If you're experiencing these revelations of God, be on guard for the attacks and the temptations of the enemy. Because notice, Jesus is now baptized. The Holy Spirit falls upon him. God delights in him. This is my beloved son. And then in Luke chapter 4, listen to what it says in verse 1. Then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a season of wilderness, into a season of temptation by the devil. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. Now, God doesn't tempt us. We learned that already in this podcast, in the Bible. God does not tempt us, but he will allow us to be face-to-face with temptation so that we can be tested in our faith. But the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the season of wilderness to be tested, to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing, and all that time he became very hungry. Then the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told Satan, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. And then the devil took Jesus up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And he says, I'll give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil says, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I'll give it all to you if you, Jesus, will just worship me, Satan. Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship, uh, excuse me, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him up to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. <laughs> For the scriptures say, now, now Satan's quoting scriptures. For the scriptures says, Jesus, he will give his angels charge over you to protect you and keep you in all of your ways. And they'll even hold you up if, uh, with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responds now, with scripture and says, the scriptures say to you, Satan, you must not test the Lord, your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, verse 13, he left him until an opportune time. Another translation says he left him until the next opportunity came. Is that not so true? You, you experience temptation, gentlemen, you feel vulnerable, you know, you're alone, you're tired. You're, 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 you're worried and Satan comes in and boom, just bombards you, puts a temptation in front of you, up on your screen, on your phone, on your TV. You know, you get a phone call, you get a text message, you get a thought that pops up 
all these things, right? That, that out of nowhere, temptation comes and you stand firm and you resist. You say, Lord, I humble myself before you. I resist in the name of Jesus. Lord, I stand strong. And you go outside, you go for a jog, you call a friend, you say, bro, I'm, te- I'm being tempted right now. You cry out to Jesus and you overcome. Woo, victory, right? Sweet victory. We've all been there. Listen, I want to encourage you with this. Your great victory to overcome great temptation in your life, it it comes with the small victories. It is the small victories, the small wins that leads to the big the big win, the big victory. You got to win those small temptations. You got to resist those small temptations, gentlemen, in order to, to find freedom from that struggle. It's it's one after the other. So you resist it. Woo, victory. But notice Notice verse 13 here in Luke 4. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. There's going to be another time when you experience temptation from the devil. It's the rest of your life. Until you stop breathing here on this earth. And until you're finally with the Lord in heaven. Amen. You are going to experience temptation. And you, experience, you might experience a season where it's just, man, there's a lot of temptation coming at me. And it's just a real fight. And then you experience a season, you know, maybe many months go by where there's just no temptation. And you feel just so close to God. Wait out. Just, just look out. Watch out for that opportune time that Satan's looking for. When you're vulnerable, when you're weak, you have a weak moment. There he is. There's the temptation. You got to be on guard, gentlemen. But I want to encourage you with this. This is super important. We notice in that passage that Jesus resisted all those temptations with the scriptures. The scriptures say, the scriptures say, it is written. The word of God says that is how we fight our battles against temptations. We fight with our Bibles, gentlemen. We fight with the word of God. We fight with the truth of the scriptures like Jesus shows us here. Satan, it is written. Amen? The Bible says, this is why we need to know our Bibles, gentlemen. And we only know our Bibles by reading our Bibles, right? We fight with our Bibles. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. The Bible is a sword, not just a sword. It is a two-edged sword. You cut in with that sword and you cut when you're coming out with that sword. You do damage to Satan when you cut with that sword. Satan, the Bible says, Satan, the scripture says, amen, just like Jesus showed us. We fight with the word of God, which is a sword. Amen. Ephesians 6, 17, put on salvation as your helmet and take the what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You fight with the word of God. You fight temptation with this truth of the scriptures written in the word of God. The Bible is the only offensive weapon in Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God. All other armor that you put on is all defensive weapon to take hits, to to block, you know, with a shield, to block the fiery darts of the enemy. But the sword, the word of God is our only offensive weapon. We fight with our swords. We fight with the Bible. Amen. Gentlemen, you need to understand that you we need God's word. We need God's word living within us. It's a, it's a living word. We got to stay in our Bibles, gentlemen. 
So important. It's what we fight temptation with. One last Bible verse, Psalm 119, verse 11. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not that I might not sin against you. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 119, 11. God, I've taken your scriptures and I've memorized them, not in legalism, not because I think I'm so smart. I've hidden the word of God inside of my heart. It's, it's living on the inside so that I will not sin against you. So I can overcome temptation with the truth of the word of God. Gentlemen, we need to fight temptation. Stand up. Don't fight alone. Call a brother. Call your pastor. Amen. Call me. Email me. Standing on the front line at gmail.com. I can be praying for you. Every Friday, I pray for the listeners of the podcast, specifically for things that you're struggling with. So email me your prayer request. But gentlemen, we need the word of God, the Bible, to stand against temptation because we're going to be tempted. Every day is, the, every day is a fight. Every day the battle is, is against temptation. Gentlemen, I'd love to connect with you. Reach me out, uh, connect with me, reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook at The Frontline Man. Again, you can email me. I'd love to connect with you. You can watch the podcast if you want to on YouTube. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Frontline Podcast for Christian Men. But gentlemen, thank you for listening today. I hope that you're encouraged in your walk because we all face temptations, but we got to stand firm against the temptations that come our way. And we can't do it alone, and we can't do it without the Word of God. So until next time, gentlemen, listen, keep standing, keep fighting on the front line for the glory of God. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining me on the front line. We're done here. Time to go. I hope that you were challenged, equipped, and encouraged to remain standing for Jesus, your marriages, your families, and the plans and purposes of God for your life. I'd love to connect with you. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at The Frontline Man. Follow me and you're in good company. Watch the podcast on YouTube. Watch it. And also email me questions, comments, or prayer requests at standingonthefrontline at gmail.com. I just want to talk. One more thing. If you could please leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, this would really help spread the word of the podcast to other listeners around the world. I'm looking for someone to share in Until next time, gentlemen, keep standing, keep fighting for the glory of God. We stand ready.